Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm very happy to have my friend and colleague, Knives Monroe, a filmmaker extraordinaire on the show. Knives, can you introduce yourself and tell them where they can find you online? Hey everybody, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. My name is Knives Monroe. I'm a filmmaker from Austin, Texas. You can find me at Knives Monroe on all the things, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all the things. But yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to doing this. Yeah, we're very always, always nice to have a chat with you, Knives. Um, as far as uh, topics, is there anything floating up for you that you want to talk about? Like uh, anything you're, I don't know, dealing with or having questions about at the moment? Well, um, I'm always pondering over the, the current state of the union when it comes to social media you are what i would refer to as an early adopter of tiktok i think it's something that you figured out the user interface and i think you're you're crushing it there right um any advice as far as best practices or something you want to do with that what what are uh, some distinctions picked up on tiktok it's really been on my mind a lot here's what i think um i've had a, a diverse background with social media Websites, blog posts, YouTube, you know, Instagram, moving on to different channels. TikTok was the last thing to come along down the pipes. Um, what I've mostly done recently is it's not that I'm not releasing massage related content on the channel. I just think that fundamentally, TikTok is not what people consider a professional channel. And what I mean by that is, sure, I can release content that teaches them a bodywork, stroke, massage, something or other, anatomy, physiology, I can do that. People are on TikTok because it's fun. So I started making content that was philosophy or history-related, um, fun little odes to tacos or you know whatever else. I'm using that to like intersplice with my professional message to build more of a brand recognition. I think TikTok is fun. The stuff that people want is funny. It's, it's something, something that's notable in 15 seconds or a minute long. Um, I'll continue to give you know professional content, but I think TikTok is more about personality. When I use TikTok, here's what I noticed very quickly with the platform. Um, I was up one night. I must have been on it for three hours. Yeah. You know, I started at midnight. And I realized it's three o'clock in the morning. When I go back to Instagram, it's boring. It's completely dull compared to this little app. TikTok, um, when I say it's, you know, professional, what I mean is it's more professional in like a traditional sense. You know, when I see doctors on TikTok giving millennials, um, you know, health advice, but health advice in a way that's really funny about, you know, STDs or safety or, you know, health related issues. Yeah. Again, is it professional? And it's like, uh, there's still doctors providing information, but they're providing in a very comedic way that really resonates with the audience. Yeah, that, I think that's the key. Um, and you're totally right. I have been, Instagram was like the thing for sure. And I've been off it for a while just in terms of, the explorer page and i used to like put in the austin city zip code and and try to find people that are in my radius that may have posted and i'd connect with people that way and it's still a great networking app and i think most people live there but there's something about tiktok that's very primal 
and visual. And when you go back to Instagram, it, it looks boring. And I'm not the only, you're not the only one that I've heard say that as well. One thing that I like about it is not everyone can do it. And so if you can right now, it's kind of special. Before it becomes more generalized, I, I suspect you, YouTube, would, with what you're saying about the professional element, YouTube was like that in the beginning as well, where it was just a goof-off website where people posted their skateboarding videos or something. And now it's a place to have your portfolio, so everybody uses it. Eventually, yeah. TikTok will get infiltrated, I think, as well. But I like seeing the human side of you and your business, your philosophical, philosophical musings, uh, what, what George Carlin, Carlin would call like brain droppings and stuff like, like that's so interesting and, and really exploring like the hashtags in there. Like there's a whole different group of the internet that's there to have fun that's there. And I think there's the educational side of it that that really gets my my neurons firing. I'll give you an example. Like there's like this great hashtag called uh, make money on TikTok and people are giving their best practices, usually Gary V inspired best practices on how to take something from, I don't know, Bed Bath & Beyond and then flip it on Amazon or something. I don't know how much of this stuff is legal, but there's really interesting ways to that people have found in 15 seconds or in one minute to show you how to make money or show you like a new creative program. And so like YouTube, which is what it has going for it, and I don't think Instagram ever had this, um, there's an educational style search engine optimization sort of space that lives in TikTok that nobody's talking about. And you find videos that you would never search for. And that to me is like almost untapped upside space that somebody like you, if I'm going across and I find you showing someone how to use a tennis ball to help my shoulder pain or whatever, I'm going to stop. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to save it. I'm going to favor it. And I'm probably going to follow you because, oh, I have a, a crick in my neck or something. And um, I think if you post and you mix it up with philosophical musings and things that are more native to your personality, that's the keyword. I think people are going to find you, follow you for the education, but stick around for the personality. And there's something about early social media that Facebook doesn't have that anymore and neither does um, Instagram and Snapchat's more like it's kind of hard to to get this discoverability on Snapchat's virtually you know non-existent there but on TikTok it's 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 enormous the upside so I'm wondering if you've started to experiment with with those um, ideas and just to create the creativity and the best part is I mean, you can set your phone on a little tripod, press record, walk away and do a little shuffle and boom, there, you know, um, you can do it yourself is what I'm saying. Like the post-production workflow has kind of been obliterated. It is an amazing app. I, I told people when they would ask me what TikTok is like, I'd say, listen, it's like Snapchat on steroids. Like it allows you a post-production of like start stop technology where you can play multiple characters in a comedic role. Like just that one simple piece completely changes the content that you can make for it. Um, I started doing one. Um, I'm a big fan of Ambrose Bierce and the devil's dictionary. If you look at my TikTok, what I'm doing is I'm going through the devil's dictionary. Uh, Ambrose Bierce was a cynic 
and a satirist uh, who was a Civil War veteran. And he wrote the Devil's Dictionary with these absolutely sardonic, hilarious uh, definitions of various terms. I'm going through the Devil's Dictionary and just reading three or four per post, nice. um, tagging Ambrose Bierce, you know, this you know, it's it's satire. It's like Mark Twain sort of literature. You know, it's like such weird niche content that I wouldn't release on Instagram. Now, I may share it from my TikTok to my Instagram stories, but the TikTok audience, like, I don't have any problem producing educational content. But, you know, when I watch uh, Pegmaster 2000, who I absolutely love her uh, feed, um, I also watch uh, Mechanic Link, who's a mechanic who does pretty straightforward like mechanic related tiktoks but he does a lot of funny um stuff related to car repair a lot of comedy i just think the audience is looking to be entertained yeah they're, they're not even you wouldn't be on tiktok looking for you know i need information the other component that i've noticed is i don't hear a lot of people talking about hashtags in tiktok or commenting on people's videos but I'm getting a lot more activity by going in and commenting on people's videos on TikTok about whether it's serious or funny stuff. Um, I don't know. There's just more reach on the platform. There's more organic reach. More people are paying attention to it. When I make a simple video that's just a me playing, I'm not. This is not work. This is me playing at a time massage jam, and then the next day it's got 1,600 views you don't get that sort of organic reach on Facebook. Yeah, definitely not anymore. But also on Facebook, you're, the odds of you going viral have been stunted because of Facebook. They, they don't. I think they're trying to curb that from people that aren't pouring money into their system. But with, but with TikTok, however, the odds of brand new people that you've never interfaced with watching you do something I mean, it's all brand new people. That's, I can't remember the last time I've seen that. Maybe YouTube, but, you know, it's, gosh, YouTube is just so hard, at least for me, to, to really scale and, and infiltrate new um, communities and new tribes and new demos. Like, I actually just pulled up, uh, and I'll, I'll send it to you. There's a great, um, I'll pull it up in a bit, but I have my notebook here. A great website to integrate all your demographics for your podcast on, on your listenership from, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and you're able to chart everybody that's on there. Um, I'll find it. But I found out that half my audience is women. What? I, I didn't know that. I couldn't I wouldn't have ever assumed that on YouTube. You can check out the demo. And I think like 10 percent are women. And so there's something to account for that. I don't know what I'm doing different. I just think natively people, I think, uh, I just think maybe women are searching for podcasts, maybe more, at least to have something to do with what I'm talking about. And so that's really cool. Um, I've been doing YouTube for going on 13 years and I don't have half of my retention female, you know what I mean? So that's so interesting to me. And it helps the creative process knowing who I'm making stuff for, you know, and who's out there connecting to the message. So I'm going to get that that website for you because I thought it was I thought it was really cool because I got my Spotify numbers and I was like, whoa, I was really surprised with who's paying attention. It's very interesting. But yeah. in Spotify, I'm not going to I'm not going to be a Spotifyer. 
You know, you could yeah. be a YouTuber, you could be a filmmaker. I'm not going to be a Spotifyer or a SoundClouder, you know, yeah. but there's a there's a TikToker sort of dimensionality to yeah. content creation that's really really interesting and fun. Yeah. It's fun. TikTok is, yeah, TikTok is fun. its own unique platform. Um, there's there's a certain personality. I, I think also the short form that's allowed there. You know, somebody like Pegmaster Two Thousand. I have no idea how many of her videos I have shared uh, through my Instagram and my Snapchat. And it is, I mean, she, she made a joke out of the fact that I think she went viral on Twitter because people were sharing her content on Twitter and they went viral. And then she made a TikTok talking about the fact that she, she's like, I went viral on the twatter. I don't even have a twatter, you know, it like, just like a joke video. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just so hard to explain in the age of digital distribution, the weird, goofy pieces of... I don't know. It's just completely unprecedented. You, know? you said something <laughs> interesting that it's hard to, to explain it to people. If you haven't if developed the shorthand of Vine, of Snapchat, of Instagram stories, you're, you know, you moving tangentially from, I don't know, Facebook, which everybody's on, my mother's on, to TikTok, I mean, it's it, you're not going to get it. You're not going to understand it. So it's good to be in practice of all these platforms so you can segue into something like TikTok and be like, oh, I get this. I get this. And yeah. you can make accordingly. It's hard to explain it to someone who's not already inoculated in these platforms. Yeah, there's, you know, in the end, I always tell people this when they get a little nervous about social media is that your phone is yours and your distribution is yours and you get to control your production in the same way that Hollywood used to. There is nothing preventing someone who's an upstart, who's a, a person in massage school from having a steady ongoing stream of TikTok videos to almost build their digital network before they even get their license. The technology is completely unprecedented. I, I can't stress enough the changes in the marketplace between the yellow pages and now like TikTok is, Oh man, listen, Snapchat blew me away when I started using Snapchat, um, face filters and other, you know, aspects, but TikTok is, is way ahead. Like I, I looked at TikTok and went, why did Snapchat not figure this out? Like Snapchat could have been this, you know, it still can. It's not too late. Um, we're just, since Facebook owns Instagram and they sna they copied the Snapchat stories element and put in stories, I remember in 2016 before that happened, um, you know, bet your ass they're going to try to to copy TikTok and take it out of the market for sure or buy it. But I can see them implementing um, TikTok sort of like the For You page. Instagram implements that. Oof, that's really going to hurt TikTok for sure. I'm pretty sure they're working on it. Um, I pulled it up. It's called chartable.com if you want to be able to to see very specific data about your podcasts. And it's interesting because it's very different than uh, the visual forums. I wanted to ask you, are, and you know, I know we have to cut to break soon, so just cut me off anytime. But um, were, were you interested in like the UFC pageantry, like MMA mixed martial arts fight that was happening last night? Uh, no, I, I saw various bits of it on my social media feed. I don't really follow it. I'm, it's not my you know, particular area of expertise or interest. 
I, I'll say something, uh, and I understand that. M- me too. Uh, I, I enjoy it quite a bit, but I'm not f- fanatical about it. I try to stay current because it's interesting. It's like these moments in pop culture. Like I wasn't really there when Michael Jordan was in his prime, like as an adult. So being able to see somebody like Conor McGregor now is really watchable, right? Well, anyways, they did the fight. Conor McGregor's like the Michael Jordan of MMA right now. I mean, he's like one sneaker away from, you know, just totally being as big as Jordan. But um, he had a a fight press conference at at the end of the show, and he said something that I, it's just been ringing in my ears, man, uh, about being committed. And this is something worth talking about to me. He was talking about they asked him because he lost his last fight. They said, "What was the difference between now?" And I think he 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 hadn't fought for 15 months or something like that. And they said, what's the difference between losing, looking kind of uh, like you had this ring rust in your f- previous fight versus now where you defeat somebody in 40 seconds? What was the difference? And he said it was commitment. He had a lot of mental things going on. And he said, if you've ever told yourself, oh, I should do something, I need to do this, and then you don't do it and you feel bad about that, he's like, that's a mini defeat. He's like, there's no secret sauce. It's just a matter of doing it, getting it done. He's like, and you will be successful. We hear this all the time. We say this all the time. Guys like you and me, people that have a platform, people that have a business, we say this all the time. And me, I've been very vocal about struggling with my own imposter syndrome and how this develops but it, it's exactly what Conor McGregor said. It's this these little micro decisions of I should do this and then I put it off and then I don't do it. Do you think when it comes to the massage industry that there's this veil that is almost kind of like, gosh, I don't know what the, what the word would be. So I'm just going to throw a word and hopefully you can find a better one out there. Almost like a hippie-like culture that's so against capitalism, man. And so they don't have the ambition or the the desire to make money and hustle and grind and put in the work and make those decisions that you and I both know that we have to do in order to grow and scale a business and become financially free. Is that in the makeup of, uh, inside this demographic? I think that there is some of that within the massage industry, and that will likely continue to change over the years. There have probably been demographic changes in the people going to massage school in, say, the last 30 years. Uh, it's probably changed pretty dramatically based on what I've heard from school owners, other educators, uh, massage therapists themselves. There is definitely a strong piece of massage therapists being heart-centered artists. Mm. They didn't go into massage to make money. That's right. They went into massage to help people. And I think that's a completely worthwhile, (laughs) noble cause. What I constantly try to explain to them is that the things they want to do, uh, their heart, in other words, can be completely at scale when they make money and build the business side. Most massage therapists are not lacking in art. 
they're lacking in business. It was why I started Massage Entrepreneurs. They were not thinking past the yellow pages. They were not talking at that time about social media distribution, YouTube channels, search engine optimization, Facebook ads. These conversations were not being had in my industry on the whole. Um, I think that that mindset does keep massage therapists at bay. And we'll take a quick break. Ooh, hold that thought. Hey guys, it's Robert with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I want you to know you can pick up a free trial of my subscription service. There are 450 hours of my classes, tutorials, and instruction available online, not for seven bucks a month, for free for your first month and seven bucks a month thereafter. You can also pick up workbooks, DVDs, a la carte retail, anything you need as far as instructional materials and time massage. You can find all of that at robertgardnerwellness.com. Hey, y'all. It's Trent Knox, podcast producer for the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Um, we just added a new feature that we're going to be streaming directly to the Massage Entrepreneurs Facebook group. So if you're a part of that group, thank you and nice to see you, all the new viewers from there. Also, if you'd like to help support the stream, all you need to do for free is like, follow, comment, and subscribe. But if you're so generous and you'd like to help us boost this podcast production up a little bit higher, you can go to the support the stream link down below in the description on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, and Twitter, Twitch, and Twitter, and uh, click that link, and you can make a small contribution towards the production of this live stream. If you're listening to this audio on demand on Anchor.fm, you can go to Anchor.fm slash, or you could just subscribe slash RG Wellness slash support, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can help us produce and distribute this podcast once again thank you very guys very much for tuning in and back to robert and knives in the studio hey guys it's robert again and knives can you introduce yourself again and also where they can find you online this is very npr i love it i feel i'm with terry gross right now <laughs> i love it Hey, everybody. My name is Knives Monroe. I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm an indie filmmaker out here in the 512. You can find me at Knives Monroe on, on all the things, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it. Uh, thank you again for having me on here. This is the most professional podcast I've ever been on. Golly. <laughs> so, Knives, I, I think people in my industry call it starving healer syndrome. Ooh. Massage therapists are just not... They are not on the up and up on their business game. And when I say that, it doesn't mean no one. It just means I'm looking at an industry as a whole. There are a lot of really frustrated massage therapists working for big box chains who would love to work for themselves, who simply aren't willing to do the grinds because the grind of getting clients and running a business is very different than the art of delivering massage and body work. Man, I know exactly what you're talking about. So... Not a week goes by where somebody doesn't find me on Facebook. It's always on Facebook or it's rarely email. But um, and an indie filmmaker that's in their 20s, sometimes in their 50s, has a script that they've written. They want me to read it. It's a very time-consuming thing. And I always open up the document and I always look at the first page. And I know if it's going to be a good script or not by the first page. 
And I 90% of the time never read the whole thing because a part of me knows that they just want me to tell them that I like it. (laughs) They just want me to tell them that they're good. And I, I, all this just to say that I understand the, the artist spirit, the artist heart is almost anti-capitalism. It's, but at the same time, like we're running a business here. You, you know, what if you want to be paid to write scripts? What if you want to make a movie and then make a profit off of that movie? Like there's a way to go about that. And that is not talked about in filmmaking, just to relay it back to my background. And and it's a strange thing. It's it's so it's so like the conversations, the pockets are really just like on the on the extremes. Either people want to monetize and they think maybe I should make a podcast, which is a weird way to go about it. Or they want to make a podcast and they don't know a thing about monetizing. Like it's just these weird polar opposite sort of extremes. Um, I wrote down a couple of notes here and you can tell me that if this is a little too peek behind the curtain, we can move on to something else. But it's something I love talking about with you. And that's the pain points around your segmentation and your business, which is business in and of itself being a weakness to um, massage therapists and there's a funnel that takes form people that you know have that pain point and want to do something about it they're going to go into the funnel and then people that have you know the, more of a holistic approach and the you know whoever knocks on my door you know maybe i do massage on the side let's just say they're not hungry enough you know then they're out of the funnel right have you do you know your numbers and your people and your you know you it's such a in-person interaction with what you do they either come inside your studio and you can work on them um do you know who basically how to relay your messaging to these people and if so can you talk about how you've developed that over time because that's also part of businesses business is people right preaching to the choir And understanding how they work and what their needs are, I don't think you would have created your subscription service, which is this need here that's meant to fill this gaping hole of of pain, just this blind spot from people in your industry. I don't think you would have saw the value in that and created the infrastructure behind that if you knew it wasn't valuable, right? If you knew it wasn't a way to help people. So can you yeah. talk to me? I'm so curious. Because I'm still trying to find that and relay it to artists. I don't think I'm going to make, as far as my business, make money off of artists because they're almost too pure in a way. They're not – they don't want to spend and they don't want to invest in themselves. And, and it's like a part of me, I don't want to spend decades trying to talk to those people and convince them otherwise. But how have you accumulated that data what do, what do you do with that data and how do you how do you get people into the funnel? Oh, I'm trying to make sure I understand the question. So can you refine it in like a sentence or two? How do you acquire intelligent data about these people when so much of massage therapists are artists, they business is a weakness for them. How do you filter those people into your funnel to get them to invest in your business? So 
You mean as students, uh, students for like my classes or online stuff? That's, I guess, one funnel. And then there's people yeah. who who maybe want to help work on themselves, who don't yeah. want to be a massage therapist. And if yeah. they buy into your subscription service, they're going to get a very cheap education. Yeah. Cheap so, in terms of money, not in content, obviously. You know, so fundamentally, when I talk about massage therapists, that starving healer syndrome, you know, this is going to go back to the fact that I had no idea. I've been working almost 20 years now. I had no idea how to build a business 10 years ago. Mm. That when I started, I um, was very frustrated um, and essentially working with my wife, there was a, a basic template of like, I didn't have a website, didn't have a blog, didn't have a YouTube, social media opened up. We had some conversations and it was do or die. At this point I knew, okay, this is either going to work or I'm going to go do something else. Hmm. I took that heart centered message of wanting to help people and said, you know, how do I put this on steroids and amphetamines? Like, how do we really build the business? Because my wife assured me that I understood the art. The, the body work was amazing. The problem was it was so different than what the mass marketplace was necessarily searching for that they understood that what happened was the gatekeeper was gone. Massage schools and regulators are the gatekeepers. They're kind of controlling things, even intellectually, from a regulatory standpoint. And I realized at some point very early on, just having a blog allowed me to reach out to people globally. Mm. YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, you know, Twitch, uh, various social media platforms, Facebook allowed me to reach out to people globally. There was no – not only was there – the notion of a gatekeeper weird. It was like the gatekeepers were gatekeeping a gate that didn't exist anymore. In the end, I said, okay, for my clients, can I help people in chronic pain? Okay, target those people. Produce content related to chronic pain, how to get out of chronic pain, how you help people out of chronic pain, and showing people how to get chronic out of chronic pain on their own. I still get you know, YouTube comments on videos showing people how to work on themselves. And they're like, man, I've been in pain for like several years and I helped myself just from this free YouTube video. What I then kept doing was refining that process, scaling it out towards students, and then feeding both of these markets simultaneously, continuing to just chip away in a very nose to the grindstone, gangster street level cell crack, almost like I don't break the law, but I break the rules constantly because people have a certain notion of what they consider professional. Um, I've been called names by other people in my industry because I refuse to kowtow to their old dated ways of marketing like it's the yellow pages. Everything I ever wanted to do is increased by social media output, putting my message out and drawing those early adopters. You know, when I talk... When I talk to massage therapists, they only need 100 regular clients. They're done. We'll take just a quick break. Hey, guys, it's Robert with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Listen, if you are a rule breaker like me, if you like iconoclasts who sound like they drink a lot of black coffee and curse – 
we got the deal for you. The Reboot Insiders Club has 450 hours of my curse-laden rants, information, tutorials, education on display in raw, unedited footage. You can access that completely free on my website, robertgardnerwellness.com. If you'd like workbooks, DVDs, additional information, you can purchase those a la carte there in the store. Again, you can find all of it at robertgardnerwellness.com. Hey guys, again, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Knives, can you give them contact information once again? At Knives Monroe on all the things. That's K-N-I-V-E-S Monroe, like Marilyn Monroe. It's my real name. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. It's where I live. Thanks for having me again, Robert. So when it comes to the marketing, what I... Say again. Say it again. So what I noticed is I understood in private practice, I only needed a hundred regular clients as an educator. I said, I mean, I only need like a hundred regular students. Like when you, when you break it down that way, there's only so many people you can teach, you know, you don't have to be the M&M of your industry pretty small numbers. Um, being authentic was lazy. It was easier. And you got to draw the students who were actually interested in your message. Yeah. I just continued to skewer that. And I got more and more comfortable with criticism because the people who were criticizing me were actually building my brand and saying, I don't like this guy. And then meanwhile, people were like, man, I got to pay attention to his podcast. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> Man, that's interesting to me. You had said that maybe you haven't borderlined on doing anything illegal, obviously. Um, but what about ethically in your in your class in your genre? Like, what 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 lines have you crossed? How did you push the envelope? I'm very curious because there's like these unwritten taboos that are that are in your industry. Yeah, it's it's that, by so, the way, the so internet sort of blew up. Not you, not you. The yeah. internet just destroyed so many different templates right so yeah. it's not like you created the internet you have to evolve as a business person and as yeah. a human the the industry as a whole is is ignoring internet-based technologies that's how i feel about it one of the things that's happened when i said about the gatekeepers and they're gatekeeping a gate that no longer exists like i distribute information globally from my private home studio in round rock like I'm breaking people's culturally preconceived notions about rules. I'm not breaking a law. That's where things get complex. And increasingly, when people watch my behavior, I think they're charting my behavior for the short term. It doesn't make sense. They're like, why is Robert not going directly to the cheese? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to control cheese production. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm charting 
you know, 10 years down the road, which is why in the short term, for instance, the time of size jam, the time of size jam is simultaneously the most amazing and dumbest idea I've ever had simultaneously. Business owners in Austin would literally argue with me and say, you need to start charging more for this event. And I go, but this is event isn't about making money. And they're going, you know, what is this guy doing? And I'm like, it's about owning the marketplace. Mm. What do you think happens when there's a hundred chapters of time and size jam across the United States and everybody's producing video on a scale that I'm producing video? We take over the marketplace. What do you we win? That? Paint that picture to me. I understand so, the chapter part, but what, do you, what does so, it look like? Yeah, Gary V will say this in his videos. I've been accused of being a Gary V clone. Gary V has influenced me in a, a number of ways. When I need emotional support, I go listen to Gary. People think me producing video at scale is an anomaly. Um, you know, we might release a video a day now. Hopefully, soon this year, we're going to release three to five videos a day. People think it's me. It's me. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's about a brand. What happens when everyone who's hosting a time and size jam across the United States and we have 100 chapters, what happens when 100 of us are releasing three to five videos a day and we're cross-promoting? Right. Yeah. They're not producing video in my industry. They're, they're almost opposed to it, the gatekeepers, because they're like, people are naked. And I'm like, well, surprise, our clients aren't. Right. We're going to bombard every social media platform, including TikTok, with video and educate an audience that massage therapists have essentially not because they're afraid of judgment and they're afraid of being on camera. In the end, mm. massage therapists just need enough clients. In the end, I just need enough students. But what happens when you build globally recognized brands and you start selling information across national borders. You know, when people start subscribing in Tokyo, that is a really weird scene for me mentally to try to, um, you know, deal with intellectually. I, I think, think mostly, mostly what I see, I see is people in the industry pooing my ideas while, while they're developing. developing. Then they'll say after we're successful, oh, I know Robert Gardner because they want to kind of ride in on your coattails in some way. I'm not trying to just do it myself. I'm actually trying to get students to do what I'm doing. I don't want them to just watch my videos. I want them to take out their phone and make their own videos. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense, man. So what is your brand? How do you know the difference between Robert Gardner Wellness, the brand, versus Robert Gardner, the human? You know, in terms so, of how, how do you differentiate? And trust me, I've... This is a, a, a very, very personal question for me that I'm curious to get your take on because I'm Knives Monroe, the human, the director, but I'm also Knives Monroe, the dad. And so it's weird to put my name on anything and then say, yeah, no, but that's the brand when it's really – it makes my light, my star shine more. It's, it's weird because then you come off a little, a little more gangster than you intend to be. You know, it's weird to hide behind – your face when Nike can be hide behind the swish, right? So how do you differentiate? Like, I don't know. How do you unplug? How do you unwind? How do you decompress? And how do you, how do you tell the difference online? I think it evolves. 
Um, I think that the line between personal and professional is something that's come up on the podcast with other people before, and I think those lines are consistently being broken down. Uh, people have asked me why I don't call what I do the gardener method, and the reason I don't is because it's always connected to me. Time massage jam is not me. Whatever uh, We tried reboot. That, that trademark was declined, but reboot is not me. Uh, I may be behind those brands, but... What I'm doing is trying to create those brands and scale them out to other massage therapists and show them how we can take over the industry and win financially and heart-wise simultaneously. I don't worry too much about the line between personal and professional. Um, to, just to give you an example, I really like Post Malone. And Post Malone is interesting to me on a number of levels, but he looks just as comfortable in a cowboy hat and boots as he does driving a Maserati in San, Tro San Tropez or something. It's, it's like, like he you know, you know, has face tattoos and neck tattoos, but I just get a sense from his music that he'd be like the most down-to-earth guy if I just had a conversation with him. Um, I don't get a lot of pretentiousness, even though he's like a, a world you know, symbol uh, within music. I think the line between personal and professional is changing. You know, when you think about Jordan, you know, Jordan represented his own branch, I guess, of Nike. Nike was the brand. Michael Jordan was sponsored by Nike. They had the Air Jordans. Jordan at that time did not have access to Instagram to be able to live stream his practices where he was shooting free throws. The, the internet marketplace and the distribution has completely changed the process where, you know, if Post Malone wanted, he could essentially live stream his recording process and you can take part in that behind the scenes sort of thing. I think it's, it's lazy. And I mean lazy in the best, most heart-centered way to just be authentic and connect with the audience. I yeah, think it's, it's a loss. It's, it's the path to, be... to least resistance, right? Yep. Yeah. I like that more than lazy. Lazy kind of seems like dispassionate. At least that's my read. But I know what you mean. Like It's like the equivalent between hurting your wrists, working on somebody, or, or putting your elbow there and creating that longevity for yourself, but also helping your client, right? So I think that's kind of what you mean, right? Because I've heard you say that word lazy a bit, and it's a bit of a triggering word for me. But maybe yeah. that's just so – I think that's what you mean, just to clarify that. Yeah. Um, sometimes also I think I will use language in such a way that I'll bend people's minds around what certain terms mean if they interpret it in a socially correct context. Um, I'll use language against itself to destroy it. You know, what I'm saying is if – uh, I brought up Little John recently in some conversations with people in relation to like hip hop music distribution. You know, there is no Little John in the the massage industry. For me to have Little John on the podcast, you know, it's like dreads, shades, talking about crunk music. For people in the massage industry, that's like a completely weird. Like, why is this guy talking? And I'm like, it's business, man. Little John has contacts. He understands social media marketing and mass distribution. Like you're 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 greatly denigrating an entire swath of of an industry because you don't think it's puritanical enough for the massage industry. In the end, I knew that my presence in some form over time was going to ostracize a large degree of the market. I don't care. And increasingly I care less, especially as 
I have more income, as things grow, as I find my target market, my fans are so loud, I hear my haters less and less. And if anything, you learn to almost enjoy it. You're like, ooh, somebody cares enough about what I do just to hate it? Like yeah. before, I couldn't get anybody to care at all. Thank you so much for hating what I do. Yeah. It's, when I say lazy, what I mean is I think it's too much work to put on a facade and act like I'm something I'm not. It's too much of a facade to be fake, uh, to be insincere. Um, I draw a lot more people out of being heartfelt, uh, emotionally pulling on their heartstrings than I do in trying to craft a fake image of me getting out of a Lamborghini. Did you ever flirt with the fake image, the facade? Was that something you tested or was that something that you never even flirted with? And, and does that confidence to just be yourself come with age or how did you develop that practice yeah like if, if i had been a rapper i don't think eminem started where he is now he became the rap god right in other words like was he an insecure white kid probably absolutely he, he his rhymes weren't good his flow and syncopation was off his timing his rhythm but he developed and harnessed those things through practice he might have had a natural innate ability but he honed it over time. And I think that's part of the practice. You know, people will just ask me, like, how did you become comfortable on camera? And it's like, well, listen, the reason I became comfortable on camera and managed to do it is through practice. And here's what I fundamentally understood. I was more afraid of poverty than your judgment. Mm. Yeah, poverty has been, it's a great motivator for sure. Hunger, like wanting to eat, that's that's a great motivator for sure. Yeah. Do you have, off the top of your head, I'm putting you on a spot. I know it might be an ever-changing list, but do you have a top five favorite rappers of all time? Ooh, so uh, hip-hop and my, my, my interest in hip-hop has changed over the years in various ways. Um, off the top of my head, I think um, Outkast, Eminem... <laughs> Lil Dicky, Snoop Dogg, and probably Dr. Dre are probably in the tops, like in the five. Mm. Um, Lil really Dicky versus that, from that, yeah. That's a hot take. That is a hot yeah. take. Yeah. Wow. Putting up there with, with the Dre's. Holy smokes. I, I mean, the thing is, it depends on like what, you know, and again, I'm not somebody who's uh, like I'm, I'm watching uh, the hip, is it hip hop revolution that's on Netflix? Like I'm watching that and kind of digging more into the history of stuff I didn't know about. Um, hip hop, what it amazes me as a business, I am completely floored. I probably take more notes from hip hop than anything else at the moment, as far as um, digital distribution is concerned, fan base, merchandising. I just think they're complete innovators. Um, if you're in business and you're not looking at hip hop, I think you're missing out, especially when it comes to digital distribution. Um, I just find it hard to believe that people are still interacting with music like it's 1972 and they could be Led Zeppelin releasing albums on wax. Yeah. Like, yeah. like dude, you have, you have Spotify. You can release a song a day. Uh, we'll take a quick break.
Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner. Listen, I want you to know that you can subscribe to my subscription service completely free for your first month. If you did not know about this or you don't know what we are doing, this is going to have really profound impacts on the massage industry in years to come, and I'd like you on board now. My subscription service is completely free for your first month. There are 450 hours of unedited raw footage of my classes, teaching, and instruction. This is really broad, diverse work to be able to help people in chronic pain and build the private practice of your dreams, doing something that's completely different than what's represented in the bulk massage marketplace. You can find that in addition to workbooks, DVDs, materials you can buy a la carte at robertgardnerwellness.com. And I'm here with Knives Moreau. Knives, can you tell them where they can reach you again? Actually, I want to take this opportunity to say if somebody has made it this far, I want you to subscribe to Robert's podcast and find me at Knives Monroe on Twitter. Email me, knivesmonroe at gmail.com, however you want to find me. And I want you to screen snap that you've subscribed to Robert's podcast. And if you've done that, I will pay for your subscription service for the first three months. So the first five people that do that, Send me a screen snap that you subscribed and that you gave Robert five stars on Apple Podcasts, and I'll go ahead and pay for that subscription service for 90 days. So that's a good deal. Nice. Thanks, Nice. My pleasure. Yeah. So, I mean, in hip-hop, there's probably, you know, uh, if DMX or Nas or those guys are listening, you know, Wu-Tang, don't feel like I left you out. He just asked for the top five, and I threw it out as fast as I could. Um, I think... When it comes to music, you know, individuality, like if you talked about guitarists, why is it that you can hear Stevie Ray Vaughan and know that it's Stevie Ray Vaughan based on his timing, rhythm, syncopation, and tone? Mm -hmm. There are probably 10 guitarists who've ever lived who have, who have achieved that stature, including Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, people like that. That's the same thing that happens in hip hop. There's a reason why Eminem is called the rap god, non-sarcastically. Um, I think we don't have that sort of individuality within the massage marketplace and certainly not that sort of digital distribution. I just think that the world has changed and musicians and business people who are not keeping up with digital and social media changes are actually missing out on really embracing a lot of their dreams. I just knew that the barriers of entry were gone. Um, you know, it allowed me to distribute information and here's the, the thing. In the end, the market gets to decide whether what I do is amazing or a complete flop. And if it's a complete flop, I get to change it and make it better. And if I excel, okay, well, we did something. My fear was being old, being in a nursing home and thinking about all the people I could have helped and all the stuff I could have done and all the fun I could have had and living in a world of regret. That is the mindset of a true entrepreneur, someone that says the grass is greener where you water it, right? Um, I really respect that about you. I want to be respectable, respectful of your time. I don't know how much more time we have. Um, you had mentioned something about on Spotify, if you're an artist, you know, you can make a song a day as opposed to the old paradigm of creating an entire album that would take maybe two years to complete on wax, right? That's something that, you know, I've put my money where my mouth is and I started doing a daily podcast for that very reason. If I felt, you know, what, why is this paradigm to do it once a week? 
to do it on a Monday, to drop it on a Wednesday. Like, why does that pair? Why is it there? If you can, if you have the bandwidth to go more, then it's your obligation to do so. Jiro Dreams of Sushi inspired me to do that. Like that guy, you know, wouldn't have stopped at one podcast a week. Not if he was trying to explore mastery and, and try to be better, right? So that's really inspired me, and I'm still on that kick. You had said something, and I don't get to talk about this uh, with a lot of people, about how when it comes to entrepreneurship and business, hip-hop is really this untapped space to like a lot of maybe corny people that wouldn't know to look at it that way, closed-minded, narrow-minded people. Yeah. I feel that way about Kendrick Lamar. I would I, – it's so premature to put him like on the – on the um, on the Mount Rushmore, but right now he is probably. I haven't felt this way about an act um, the way I do about Kendrick Lamar since I discovered Quentin Tarantino. This is a guy who studied the greats, studied the form, understands storytelling structure, um, and takes the old and makes it new again that's my favorite part of the hip-hop game and and really really smart intelligent filmmakers that know how to take like if you look at george lucas he he took flash gordon and made star wars right he took these really corny serials that were black and white and made them new again metropolis you know all his references are, are there same thing with kendrick lamar he took a little bit of you know, um, Dr. Dre here, mix it with this. And, and he's a storyteller. His albums are like films to me, like Good Kid, Mad City. It's just as good as Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs to me. And the thing that, that I try to steal from artists like this, and they really inspire me, whether if you're a filmmaker, a guitarist or a rapper or a massage therapist, is the presentation of their, of their art. The presentation, I can't find a, a word for it, but that's the part of creativity that excites me the most is how do you take whatever the contents are, whatever the, the nucleus is, whatever the messages are, and how do you put it in a packaging that is that is brand new? I saw this TikTok the other day talking about why do we hoard iPhone boxes? Like why do we keep our Apple Watch boxes, our our AirPod boxes, our iPhone boxes from previous generations. Why can't we throw this away? And I think it has something to do with the genius behind the packaging. There's something about the presentation in this piece of art, this this uh, this phone, that people keep coming back to and respect. And so for me, I'm always trying to find the packaging of something. If I'm going to make a music video, if I'm going to make a wedding video, a podcast, a short film, what have you, how can I tell this story that has a 3X structure or whatever it is in a way that people are familiar with and that usually and you know that usually means I'm ripping off Martin Scorsese or Alfred Hitchcock or something and then present it in a new way. When I see these new acts, I mentioned Kendrick Lamar, or if you look at a post Malone, there's something so familiar about these guys. They're taking their influences what they loved and they're making it new again. So I think it's our obligation, me, Knives, the filmmaker, you, Robert, the massage therapist, big air quotes, because I know you're more than that, the entrepreneur. How do you take the silhouette of something old and and apply yourself in it? And at the same time, this little kernel of reinvention. So I will spin that as a question for you. 
how do you take these old things that you know are cool, that you know are hip, that are happening right now, that got tick, and how do you implement that into massage therapy, which bird's eye view might not be the coolest, hippest, you know, business in town, right? Optically, how do you make it cool? Let's put it this way. If you take what I'm teaching and turn it into some gangsta shit, you know, could I build enough of a following to have Post Malone or Outcast do a soundtrack for a video or have me in the background on suspension working on somebody? <laughs> that's, that's exactly where I'm going to a degree with my marketing. I know people don't see it and they're like, I don't understand. This guy was a philosophy student. He keeps talking about Kierkegaard and Nietzsche, but he's like talking about dirty South hip hop and crunk music. Like in the end, it's all part of me. And it's all part of having your own style and flash. I mean, me just wearing Thai massage or Thai fisherman pants and videos, you'd be amazed how many people on, on YouTube comment about that and go, I don't understand what's up with these pants you wear. And it's like, listen, man, the reason I wear these is because I haven't found a pair of Thai fisherman pants with sequins on it that like light up when you shine a light on me like a disco ball. Like this is low level Hollywood production. When you listen to Outkast and listen to their early albums, you know, made out in the dungeon, those kids knew they were going to make it. Mm. And if they, they didn't know they were going to make it, they sure as hell put out albums and sounds and rhymes and raps like they were going to do everything they could to do it. And they did. You know, that sort of entrepreneurial hustle coming up from nothing is absolutely what I aspire to for massage therapists when the, within the massage industry. And there are no gatekeepers. Like when people are asking me, like, how do they market themselves on Instagram? Okay, we can have that conversation and talk about hashtags and connection, but there's nothing preventing people from doing that with a new style, a new flash, a new flair that right. nobody's ever seen. You took the words right out of my mouth, man. I mean, you know, knives, you make film because you love it. You love it as an art form. My guess is you don't sit down and always think about, how am I going to make a film that the audience likes? I think you go, how do I make a film that I like? And then do I think an audience would also like it? I think it's the, 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 the line between those two where the sweet spot comes in and your real fans appreciate your individuality and in videography your individuality and in editing streaming um cuts you know music uh the way tarantino would use music and film to me was completely revelatory and you kept wondering why you'd never seen it done so well because the music was just as smart much a part of like setting the sort of emotional tone of a scene you and my, you and me have talked about this, I think in person and we've never put it out there before, or I haven't, but I love filmmaking. It's a great way to emit an abstraction to somebody and something it's, it's taking the language of your dreams and recreating it and showing people how you feel and relating to the times. It's, it's a very malleable art form and if you show a movie to 500 people, 500 people are having 500 different experiences and then it's out of your hands. Like that is a very, that's a free fall for me. But as I've grown and evolved and put some reps in, 
the thing that gets me a boner today as a filmmaker is fucking shit up and turning things on its head. It's taking something that you're not supposed to do and, and breaking the rules, not disrespecting anybody ethically. But if I were to drop a movie on Facebook, that's just it's not the way you're supposed to do it. Filmmakers would hate me for it. I'm championing the the economics of everybody's workflow or whatever. And it's just like, but yeah, but I want people to see it. But I want to have that conversation. I'll figure out how to monetize it later. Once my brand reaches some sort of critical mass, I'll cash in and I'll sell a book and I'll, or maybe I'll create a Patreon or something. I mean, I don't know. The economics to me there's only 10 ways to do it. You know, I kind of think about that stuff last, either you sell some tickets or you sell a t-shirt or something, but the presentation of something and showing somebody like, I love, I love visual aesthetics. If people are watching this right now on YouTube or something, they see the colors. I look at that color palette and I think of Robert Gardner for better or worse, you know, and I love those associations that we develop over time. And when you create an aesthetic that you eventually – you mentioned the word iconoclast. I don't hear that word too often anymore. You know what I mean? But I love I love aesthetics and I love iconography. I brought up Star Wars in the past. I'll bring it up again. You know, The reason why Star Wars fucking wins is because of its iconography, because of a lightsaber, the R2-D2 skin, You know that template. It's it's iconic. The the title scroll, even though it had existed before and George Lucas ripped it off, he made it new again. It's his. You know, that's the stuff that gives me a boner. I want to take stuff from musical acts that maybe people forgot or were forbidden to talk about. Or, you know, I like unearthing new things, these new gems and then putting my spin on it, dropping it into the matrix, into the system and watch it kind of. Watch the fire start. If I can do that, I win. That means more to me than any paycheck. It means more to me than paying my rent, quite frankly. Like I want to fuck shit up. And I I noticed that about you when we met was this is not just a guy that wants to make money and retire in Thailand and put his feet up and, you know, drink a Mai Tai or whatever that looks like. This is a guy that wants to he's he's the Bill Hicks of his of his genre. He wants to fuck shit up. He wants to – and not saying anything new but saying truths that people don't want to admit. And that's that's the finest way to do it. And I have tremendous respect for you for doing that. And I guess I kind of wanted to bring that up because you reminded me not to forget. Now it's my turn to remind you that that's part of the fun and what we're doing is is trying to break the matrix. Yeah. So, Yeah. How you doing, Knives? I'm good, man. I mean, if you're enjoying cool. this conversation, I can keep going. Cool. It's all yeah. you. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I think about, and, I, you know, I, I grew up as a white kid in Louisiana, kind of in the suburbs, okay? I never missed a meal, but we certainly didn't have money. Um, hip-hop and the way hip-hop influenced me, being around Louisiana, growing up around jazz and blues and funk, certainly had like a cultural distinction. You know, Master P came on in the scene in New Orleans, you know, mystical. There was a lot of stuff around. But there were pieces of it from an urban perspective that I didn't I didn't quite understand the gang affiliations or drug use or selling drugs because I came from this middle-class background. And what I see in hip hop when I watch documentaries and I hear these artists talk about it is 
it's not, I made a million dollars. It's a guy sitting in his recording studio in his mom's, you know, closet where the washer and dryer is who made a recording and played it for his friends and they were smoking a joint and everybody freaked out because it was the flyest thing they'd ever heard. Yeah. That, whatever that is, like my, my skin, I literally just flushed saying that, 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 that guy can make a million dollars later and he'll still reminisce about that. And that comes from the hustle the street level hustle of get it done and create something completely fly that has your distinct signature on it. That process, when I started creating like time massage workbooks and materials, I said, you know, how do you, how do you develop your voice? Not somebody else's voice. Yeah. Your voice. That thing is what I have to try to like, with students, you know, like uh, they'll talk about moves or certain techniques or moves I teach them. You know, some people will say, Ooh, I don't want people stealing my moves. And I go, mm, There's only so many ways to, to move a body, man. There's only so many ways to manipulate joints, deliver pressure. You know, I'm using all the moves every other human has used. Um, it's more about its packaging uh, and delivery and like the style uh, with which you do it. I think that developing that individual differentiation, allowing your own message to be different, you know, it's it's weird because in the massage industry, what I see a lot of is like this competitive mindset where if they're paying attention to some other educator, they're not paying attention to me. But what I see in the hip hop community is like, okay, Post Malone, uh, let's get Ozzy Osbourne to be on the song. Yeah. Let's get this other rapper to be on the song. Features. To like cross promote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. And and that's more that's right. That's more native to that to to hip hop, right? Is oh, you know, Ty Dolla Sign or gosh, I don't know, um, two chains, you know, has a lot of tick. Like I gotta get him on, I gotta get him on. Right? Yeah. Like that's part of Kendrick Lamar. Like he he did stuff with Taylor Swift. He put a verse on like, you know, a Taylor Swift song and then siphoned her audience, you know, but made her look cool at the same time, you know? So yep. that's part of it. Yeah, it's harder in time massage as well, but it's also like that in filmmaking. There's a very, um, it's a very narcissistic art form, you know? And so it's very territorial. And I've noticed that with the scenes, like the the few times I've been to a time massage jam or I've, wa- I've watched you teach you know, whole plethora of students, I've noticed just how chill everybody is. And it's a very calm and relaxing environment. And everybody has like this, you can kind of tell that everybody smokes weed and just has a good time. And is just, you know, chill and they trade their, their best practices. And it just seems more friendly than filmmakers who are very guarded and they don't want to share their secret sauces. And, but you're right. Like this cross promotion element of hip hop, you know, if we bring that more, into our our environments like it's a good business for everybody i don't even understand where it comes from in my industry um you know i think of body work or massage as being very open source like i'll teach it to a soccer mom in ohio as much as i will a licensed therapist in seattle so you know i look at it as like it's for everybody it would be like eminem telling me oh like 
Robert, man, you're, you're a 42 year old white guy. You can't start rapping. Like, I don't think, I don't think M would say that M would say, well, do you want to do it? We'll right. go. <laughs> like that, that's the whole thing. It's like, I really want people to follow their bliss. I'm not trying to make mini me's. I'm trying to get knives. If he picks up massage body work to develop his own signature style within, you know, using your own body. That's the thing. You know, M is operating out of his own mind, his own consciousness, his own nervous system to control his soft, soft palate lips and enunciation to be able to wrap the way he does. Every body worker's tools physically are going to be different. They're going to have a slightly different shtick. And to develop individuality, to re develop real connection with clients, you have to embrace all of that individuality just as much as little John adopts a, a crunk goblet and rhymes. You're a fascinating figure to me because you're both an artist, whether you want to admit it or not, and you're a businessman. That's that's a great dichotomy. That's something that I think I certainly aspired to be. I'm usually I, it's I can put on the hat and be the ruthless cutthroat businessman, but then I'm not the artist. Or I put on the artist hat and then I'm like, eh, I'm not making money, you know. So you live that dichotomy pretty well what what are like three pieces of advice that you would give for somebody like me who's who's trying to understand that balance and you know what are some best practices that you've used personally to implement that that have worked out for you i, I think when it comes to business here here's what it went to um and this was just you know straight balls to the wall logistics like how do i solve problems so yeah. when my clients came in anybody could do a massage that's a service like how do i solve a problem and i went jack what are you having problems with he's like my upper back i'm like jack come here i'm going to show you how we're going to work on this when i solve a problem that gives me a job it's like being a mechanic like if i don't change the guy's oil and fix his car he's not going to bring his car back yeah when i then started to work with students i'm like okay what problems are they having well they, they have problems with business okay we'll work on that we'll help them with that mm. We'll provide them information for that, but they also need information on technique. Okay, we'll do that. Solve a problem. When I interact with other people on the podcast, they can be in very disparate um, communities, very disparate businesses, and I always do this. I go, hey, uh, Emily, listen, uh, with your business and what you're creating out of San Diego, is there anything I can help you with? I don't ask for a paycheck. I don't ask for a client. I don't ask for a consult. I don't even mention money. That's not what it's about. I go, can I help you with anything? Yeah. And she says, yeah, you know, I'm having a real problem with my social media. And I go, cool, what, what's, what's going on or we need help with? And then I determine, one, can I help them? Or two, can I refer them to somebody else who I think can help them? When you solve problems, money results. Yeah. Yeah, that's something – it's almost like gravity. Like that's a law of physics almost or maybe it's karmic. I don't know. Um, but I've I've believed that and trust me, I've believed that when I've had three eggs in the fridge and I have two kids and I'm like, well, they're going to eat and I'm not. And I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, but today this is what they're going to be able to eat, right? So – and I've lived that life where I just – I leaned in on that idea. I leaned in on – um, I'm going to help people. I'm going to be in a, a problem solver mode, but I will be fine. Um, it's almost spiritual. It's almost irrational, illogical because self-preservation is, 
the first law of nature, as they say. But that's almost an impossible thing to teach someone in business is, is give more than you take and your cup will be full. People just want to cash a check. They're hungry. Yeah. They want to eat today. I've seen you playing the long game for a few years now. I think we met in 17, maybe even 16, right? Somewhere in there. Yeah, and I've just seen you playing the long game, and I I love your consistency, man. Like, make no mistake about it. If you're ever in the dark or you're in the weeds, you're in the thick of it, you're in the fog, and you're like, fuck, you know, I've been helping people for a minute. Like, I need to recharge these batteries. Just rest assured that you've been consistent, and everybody else, you're either a billionaire or you're at day fucking one, and you are not at day one, sir, and don't forget that. Yeah. Uh, I think the the moves, when I talk to massage therapists about business, and those are the people I consult with the most, I the, the movements that you make to survive are not the movements that you make to thrive. Mm -hmm. And getting out of poverty is this weird thing where if you're just worried about making money and surviving, people make notoriously very bad long-term decisions because, you know, well, they got to make money now. Making money now is not investing. And something about that has to shift uh, in people's mindset when they're dealing with business. To bring it back full circle, I asked you about TikTok. I saw this great TikTok. Once again, this wouldn't have been something that I searched for. It was just on my For You page. It's becoming my favorite platform. This happened with Snapchat. and But I was also too ignorant to ever really look into it with Vine. So I encourage people that are rolling their eyes to consider this. But I saw this piece of content on Snapchat that was saying, I'm sorry, on TikTok that was saying, you know, Netflix costs about $12 a month on average. So say you've had Netflix and you've subscribed for five years. You've spent, it was something like, I'm not going to do the math. It was something like three, maybe $2,500, right? In five years on Netflix, on escapist entertainment. They were saying if you had put $2,500 into Netflix stock five years ago, that stock would be now worth something like $47,000, right? The subtle distinction between being a producer, being an investor, and being a consumer, you know, the difference between assets and liabilities, right? And that's something that has, has stuck with me as well. Um, once again, I'm almost too pure of an artist for my own good, and that money and investing is the last thing on my mind. It's something I've been thinking about more and more and more seriously putting my money where my mouth is in, in, in so far as investing, right? But yeah. that's something that that has stuck with me of just like, I can give all my money to, to Netflix or I can make that money work for me and it's making money as I'm going to sleep. You know what I mean? The difference between being a businessman and being someone that's stuck in the, in the, in the, what's it? The hamster wheel. Like that, that's yeah. me too, man. Like this ideology, if there's one thing, one norm that I try to stupefy, it's this, inevitability that you know my parents generation all succumb to which is i gotta pay my bills i gotta get by i gotta think about the first of the month that's what's on my mind you know it's counterintuitive almost it's almost counter 
our species to say, yeah, but what about five years from now? What about 2025, right? Here we are. So where are you going to put your money? How are you going to make it work for you, man? That's something I'm wrestling with. And like Conor McGregor said, I mentioned earlier to call back, just do it. Just actually put in the work. And um, I think, I think that's undefeated, you know, um, and I'm tired of betraying myself and saying, yeah, I'll do it. And then I don't show up. That's been the main thing that has hurt me, my business, my personal relationships more than anything, more than bad luck, more than bad business decisions, uh, more than trusting somebody and they, you let them into the circle and they betray you. It's me betraying myself. So just wanted to tie that back full circle. I mean, if you go back and you could talk to Miles Davis, would Miles Davis talk about the wrong notes he played or would he remember the notes that he just didn't play at all? I don't know. What do you think? I don't I, know. I think, I think it's the stuff they, they didn't do. And Miles was obscenely productive over the course of a 30-year career. You know, it's like right. I don't remember – like so to me it's nostalgic to go back to my first youtube video and see how bad it is the reason i don't take it down is because i actually want a therapist five years from now to find me and go oh okay yeah yeah you you like all of this well i want you to watch what i did when i started when i didn't know anything and i had nothing but a, a flip cam and a dream yeah. like that is my m&m's you know battle rap mixtape <laughs> you know it's like the 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 problem of you know, like you're afraid of people's judgment you're afraid of people criticizing you i'm like listen people boo from the sidelines not the field uh my students all the time are starting to make video i don't go in and criticize their video i go in and applaud them and go listen your video was great the one thing i think you could improve can you get like a lavalier mic or something to improve the audio otherwise your video was awesome you know, it's encouraging people to step out into their own space and create their own rhymes, create their own footage, keep going. It's the same way with my music friends. Um, mistakes in a, in a streaming world? Like what's weird is I can, you know, put this podcast out and I can completely flub my words and misspeak somehow. And almost that's what people like. That's yeah. the brand building thing where they go, wow, he's just like a real guy. Like I so resonate with, you know, knives heartfelt message when he misspoke or didn't use the right word. They, they actually fixate on the little things that are off almost. Yeah. I count on that. You know, there's a, I, I've said this so many times across so many different people's platforms that like I'm annoying myself, but filmmaking is an, is a mistakest art form. Anytime you see, oh, wow, like a boom is in this shot or like somebody left their coffee cup on on set. Right. Like to me, that enriches the product, you know, and that's also it humanizes what we're doing. Like this is all smoke and mirrors, you know. So anytime there's a chink in the armor, like what you were saying about authenticity, I think it could build more trust. Right. Like I trust this guy. He's not worried about looking perfect all the time. Um, there's a certain amount of people that are going to invest in that and believe in that more so than someone that has this perfection sort of veneer uh, around them. I, I, 
I don't fuck with that personally. The more someone's really willing to show me their stretch marks and their scars, the more I'm inclined to believe in them and trust them and take their advice. I think it's the antithesis of Hollywood. I think technological distribution has changed the public's perception of that. You know, Humphrey Bogart was, you know, amazing looking on camera, had a wonderful voice. Humphrey Bogart did not have Instagram stories where he's like, hey, I'm making eggs. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just a very different world. It's not Hollywood. People actually crave um, authenticity. They crave a sense of personality, style, sense of humor that you can very easily display for free with global distribution on a phone. That's right. I think about that too, you know, um, more and more for me, I've been, I've been weaning off YouTube and like visual content and going more into, to the audio. Like I'm more inclined to engage with Robert Garner on his podcast. That's how I'm going to catch up with him because it's so passive. I'm usually on the go and I got to wash dishes or feed my dog or cut the lawn or fold clothes or whatever. And so this is a medium that that also Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall and all those guys didn't have either, which is to be able to pull out their phone right before they're boarding an airplane, whisper a message, and then boom, you know, send it out. It's on everybody's phone now. Like that's, that's absolute madness. And it's never going to stop being this profound madness to me because we're very lucky humans in the grand tapestry of it all to be able to, to play with these tools, man. You know, Steve Jobs left this behind. I don't want to just give him all the credit, but uh, I didn't. I would have never had the vision for this. You know, I have a friend who who lives in Mexico who who doesn't have a smartphone. He's like one of the last holdouts, and <laughs> it's not it's not because he's in a primitive country where they don't allow it or something. It's just he knows that if he had a phone and he took it to his nine to five, he wouldn't get work done. He'd be too distracted. And when he told me this just recently, I was like, oh, I'm way past that. Like, I take my phone with me to the toilet. It's over, man. It's fucking over. Like, I've listened to podcasts in the shower. You know, yeah. like, it's it's fucking over. And that's just something you can never reach people like that before just 10 years ago. Where's it going to be? The heartfelt message, the capacity to communicate with an audience, you know, um, I really used social media from the very beginning to produce, not to consume, um, especially when I got towards business. In other words, I got on Facebook. I didn't have a business at that time. I later built a Facebook business page and, you know, kept growing. But it was like Facebook was just kind of how I kept in touch with my friends. It was really how social media first hit me. Then once I switched towards production, like the light bulb went off and I went, oh, this is not what people think it is. Like these companies are completely collating all this data for marketers. Like they think it's just <laughs> how grandma gets photos of the grandkids. And I'm like, no, this is how Mark Zuckerberg sells you greatest world's greatest grandma t-shirts. Like the, yeah. the marketplace, in other words, it flipped the gatekeeper thing because I knew – I was in control of my own production. My goal was to connect with an audience, you know, emotionally connect with an audience, feed an audience, tell the audience I thought they were great, help them with their self-esteem, show massage therapists they could build a practice, help people in chronic pain to understand that somebody was out there to try to help them if it was soft tissue based, you know, to build that rapport. It was about production. 
most people are still using social media like it's consumption. Most people aren't destined to have a business that generates, you know, something in the five figures as well. Right. So I, I struggle with that. You know, somebody asked me recently on another show if I identify as an entertainer and I'm like, I don't, I don't see myself as an entertainer. I'm not here to do a dance that people engage with. And I, I, I take them away from their, from their, you know, reality. They're, they're, they're not thinking about paying their bills with me. No, I'm here to say reality is, is ugly and you have to do something about it. And I have a message, you know, but I don't see myself as an entertainer, but I am a producer more than I am someone who passively engages with escapism. Like I'm, I want to be the person that, that makes the hot dogs, you know, I don't want to be the guy that just is addicted to them. You know, uh, at the same time, I'm able to enjoy things. You know, there are filmmakers who watch a movie and they can't turn off the filmmaker voice. I, I don't do that. A lot of people think I do that. I'm able to watch something like Pacific Rim and enjoy it for the fun time that it is as opposed to, mm, I don't like the way they blocked that shot and this and that. I don't do that. Same thing with music, you know, and same thing with writing. I'm able to enjoy good stuff. That's important for me too. Um, I think we should wind down here because I have to go to the bathroom and I think my camera's going to die. But uh, <laughs> is, there anything else that, is there anything else that you want to to get in? Because this was a this was a gay old time. I really enjoyed this. We got to do it again. So, I don't know yeah, if you've had we, recurring guests, but yeah. sign me up. Yeah, we've had we've had some, and yeah, we'll probably have you on again just to continue discussing. Uh, we can go ahead and start to uh, wrap it up. Um, I'll say really quickly that, again, you can find all my merch materials, the stuff you're looking for at robertgardnerwellness.com, including that free trial subscription service. And, and what is Trent doing? Me first? What? what? To find me at Knives Monroe Everything. Um, I have a podcast that's called Knives Monroe versus the podcast, and it's daily, so uh, it's January 19th. I started going daily this year and I haven't missed a day and I, I plan on not missing a day. I'm going to try it for 500 days and see how I feel. If it starts consuming my life, who knows? Maybe it's not going to be worth it, but I'm enjoying it right now. Find it on Spotify, wherever you listen, wherever you listen to podcasts. But if I had to promote one thing, it's check me out on there. I'm, I'm living in the sonic world, but yeah, Knives Monroe and all the things. Yeah, thank you very much, Nas, for coming on the show as we transition into the goodbye uh, scene, all right? And my you're in. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And again, guys, you can find my materials, workbooks, DVDs, a la carte merchandise, including that subscription service that's completely free for your first month. You can find that all at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. I'll see you again soon on the podcast. Yeah, we'll see you again on Tuesday the 21st. See you guys later. Bye. Bye, guys.